Welcome to Pontifex, the papal history podcasts ranking all of the popes from Peter to Francis. I'm Bree, and today we're not ranking anything. We're still in hiatus, but we have a very special bonus episode on a topic that's more topical than ever, I think. Recently, I was on Twitter and I discovered the Papability Index, which is a Twitter account dedicated to an algorithm discussing who's likely to be Pope. And I'm very pleased to introduce to my audience, Gabe, the creator of the Papability Index. Hello, Gabe. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us. Of course, I'm very excited to be doing it. This is my first podcast experience, so uh, wish me luck. Oh, oh, well, don't worry. The Pope Roncinis, as we call our audience, are a, a lovely, lovely bunch of podcast listeners. So. Great. And they're very excited. The people I have kind of hinted about this to oh, are good, very good. excited. Well, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> so, so to get us started, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so my name is Gabe. I am 24 years old, and I'm a... Uh, kind of a Catholic hierarchy nerd. I, you know, <laughs> eat up anything and everything that has to do with church politics. Um, so this has been kind of a project, a kind of personal private project I have been doing for several years. And a few months ago, I was like, oh, what the hell? Let's put it out for the public to see. <laughs> Let's put it out on Twitter. So um, that's what brought me here today. So you say that you're really, really interested in the church hierarchy and the politics. What got you interested in that and papal probability? Right. I am uh, I'm born and raised Catholic, practicing Catholic. So I have, you know, a general deep interest and concern for the church and what's going on. I'm also just, a, a, even in the secular world, a, a big political nerd. So... Mm-hmm. That all kind of overlaps at the Vatican and uh, Absolutely. the popes and conclaves. So uh, I, I really like that. And uh, I also really like spreadsheets. So <laughs> I like to put everything, you know, all down into spreadsheets and assign numbers and see how stuff comes out. I feel like I should send you our papal scores spreadsheet to see I what you make of it. Would love to see it. <laughs> it's a sacred document, so <laughs> you'd be. Yeah, a, sure. Oh, I understand that. Yeah, you would be in in a conclave of your own. <laughs> <laughs> so to get us started, tell us a little bit about the Papability Index, what it does, and maybe even just what the idea of papabile or papability really is. Yeah. So papability is. The term given to, as you said, probably much better pronunciation than I'd be able to do, is uh, the likelihood that an individual cardinal will become the next pope. The whole conclave is supposed to be, you know, guided by the Holy Spirit and very prayerful, sacred time, which it is, but there's also some human politicking that comes into place. Um, Sure, as you know, going through the history of it. <laughs> oh, yes. We're going to get into some very interesting conclaves before too long. For sure. 
Uh, yeah, so it's the Papability Index. It is really just trying to predict who is the most, it assigns numbers to say, you know, who's the most likely to be uh, the next pope. Uh, the lower their number, and I'm sure we'll get more into detail on where the numbers come from. And uh, But lower a cardinal's number is, the more likely they are to be pope, the more papable they are. <laughs> so that's uh, where that came from, the, what that's all about. Fabulous. And and it's sort of like the real world sort of preferiti, if you will, with this idea of papabile, because, you know, we have this Dan Brown version of these, you know, secret select few who are going to be the next pope. And generally, right. when I talk to people about papabile, that's what they think. But it's more accurately something like what you're doing, where you're coming up with actual data to determine who is likely to be pope rather than just, you know, the, the special favorites. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's really interesting, you know, to see some of the names that come up on the list. Uh, mm -hmm. Not names I, you know, had ever heard before, and you know, being just because there's always kind of like you're saying those few big names that you constantly hear over and over, even over the course of several conclaves, you know. Yes. 2005, 2013, future one, the same names coming up. And there's a few that make the top of the list uh, like that, but there's also several that you hear nothing about. But mm -hmm. well, my spreadsheet seems to think that maybe they are worth taking a second look at. Oh, I'm so excited to hear all about this because yeah. as much as I am the papal historical expert for this podcast, my my knowledge of some of the more modern cardinals is lacking and it's something I'd love to learn more about. Yeah, for sure. It's fascinating. Yeah. So before we get into who those cardinals are, let's talk about how the formula works. Like how yeah. did you create it? What are your factors? Yeah. So the creation story, um, kind of funny, uh, through college, I worked at a credit union. I was a teller at a credit union. And uh, anyone who's worked in a financial institution like that knows that there are some days where you don't see a soul. It's just real <laughs> slow and quiet. I was having one of those days and uh, it was purely out of boredom. I started putting a list of cardinal of the current cardinal electors into uh, into a spreadsheet and started assigning numbers to uh, <laughs> several factors. And over the, I got a kind of rudimentary uh, spreadsheet of that. And then over the past couple of years, I tweaked it and made changes to try to improve its accuracy. So kind of landed on something that I think is really probably about as accurate as it's going to get. So uh, I can go through each of the factors, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. And explain how that factors. And so the first one is seniority. So where the cardinal ranks in seniority, even though there, forget how many cardinals, there are 200 and some odd cardinals, mm -hmm. only 131 of them are voting are eligible to vote in the next conclave because you have to be under 80 years old. Mm -hmm. So my seniority is based on the seniority within just those cardinal electors. So okay. don't deal with their seniority in the complete full call of the <laughs> cardinal. That could get real complicated. So it's pretty simple. Their uh, seniority equates to a number, and it's a positive number. Um, so the higher your seniority, the higher your score is going.
going to be, the more your index is going to be affected by that. Mm-hmm. So then higher the index, the least likely you are to be an ex-pope. Right. So number one, seniority barely gets any points added at all. So that's the first factor that goes mm-hmm. in. And stop me at any time if you have any questions. And then the next one is if they are a part of any religious order or mm. because in the history of the papacy, very few popes have actually been members of religious orders, whether Dominicans, <laughs> Franciscans, Jesuits, or you know, Pope Francis is the one and only. <laughs> Jesuit, yeah. <laughs> so if, if the cardinal is a part of a religious order like that, they actually get a that's a penalty to them. Mm, okay. It increases their papability index. And then we get into age. Uh, so how I've derived age, and this is one, it's hard to say because there's some years, some conclaves where the, the mindset is we want a young cardinal. We want a young pope who will be able to carry the church for a couple decades. Yeah. This was the case in 1978 with John Paul I, which didn't work out so well. (laughs) And then we got John Paul II, who was young, and that's what they were looking for, looking for someone that could really be in the position for a long time and really shape the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we've also had some conclaves where they want someone older who uh, will be able to be Pope for a few years, maybe, and then there will be a change. So... It's really hard to predict where the cardinals are at any given time as far as that goes. You know, are they looking for someone younger, older? So what I've done is I've found the average age of popes going back to, I go back to Pius IX. I okay. consider him mm-hmm. he's kind of the first modern, modern you know, kind yeah. of the papacy that we know it as today. Mm-hmm. I tend to think, you know, kind of starts with Pius the Ninth. So I go back to him. The average age is like 67 and some change. So I round it down to 67. Mm-hmm. And then the index score is determined by how far away you are from 67 in either direction. Ah, okay. So your really young cardinals get pretty penalized but you really old cardinals also do. So mm-hmm. that's how I kind of tried to uh, skirt that line. It's not perfect by any means, but how I've kind of tried to quantify that, I suppose. Yeah, very reasonable. Yeah. So uh, home country, the only thing here is I, I still give the Italians a little bonus. <laughs> the Italians still, you know, if you're, if you're an Italian, you get a little bit knocked off of your index. <laughs> I know in recent years, and as you kind of listen to the rumor mills of the Vatican and just the direction the church is going, it seems to be that kind of moving away from the Italian papacy. But I still give them a little bit of a bonus for that. It's not much, (laughs) but it it helps some of them. I don't think we can get away from it quite yet. There, There has to be quite a pattern of combination break before we can actually start to discount Italy as a factor. Italy still has like 22, card, 22, 21 of the Cardinals. So yeah. statistically, you know, it's it's still kind of, uh, they still have an upper hand, I suppose. So And a thousand years of history. <laughs> correct. Yes. And then the, uh, the next one is the 
a specific church they're a part of. So Catholic Church is comprised of like 23 different churches that are part of the one universal Catholic Church, mm-hmm. the biggest of which is the Roman Catholic Church. And so if, for example, you know, we, there's the Ethiopian Catholic Church and the Coptics. And so if you're anything but a member of the Latin Roman Catholic Church, uh, there's quite a penalty for that as well. Just because the chances of our next pope being anything, someone from any other church other than the Latin Roman rite is very slim. Mm -hmm. And there's a handful of cardinals that are not of the Roman rite, but they're, you know, there's a quite a big addition to their index because of that, just because the chances of one of them becoming pope um, is slim. Uh, And then the next one is the time that the person has been a cardinal. So Mm -hmm. the longer that someone's been a cardinal, the more points that get knocked off of their index. So as you age, points kind of get added, but then as you, the longer you've been cardinal, those points start kind of getting deducted as well. Balancing out for experience. They kind of balance and play off of each other a little bit. Mm -hmm. The next one is which Pope elevated you to the Cardinalate. And this is a big one. So uh, right now, Francis, you know, if you were elevated by Francis, you get quite a boost um, just because one, the majority of cardinals are, have been elevated by Francis. So they've got that majority there. Uh, And then it's also just looking back in history, uh, most popes, most cardinals that were elected pope had been elevated to the cardinalate by the previous pope that had Mm. just passed away or resigned or whatnot. So, and then Benedict, if you were elevated by Benedict, there's a small, a very minute, but a small penalty. And then John Paul II, bigger penalty than Benedict, but still not super massive. Right. And then the rank. So there are three ranks of cardinals. There's the cardinal bishops, the cardinal priests, and the cardinal deacons. <laughs> and each of those ranks uh, also correlates to if you're a cardinal bishop, you get uh, quite a good boost. You get several points knocked off. Cardinal priest gets uh, not as much, but still a few index points knocked off. And then cardinal deacon, you get a few points uh, added. It's a small penalty. Right. Uh, just as they're the least senior cardinals of the bunch. Mm-hmm. And then I resignation. So at the... Uh, at the age of 75, bishops, cardinals, they're required to turn in a resignation letter to the Pope. And the Pope can either accept or deny that resignation. Right. So I have it to where if the Pope accepts your resignation, there's a penalty to that. Your capability <laughs> index gets added to. Sucked in, Sarah. <laughs> I know. And then if the... Uh, if he gets it denied, then you get negative points onto the index because, um, you know, that is seen as like, ah, oh, this is a really good bishop. This is a really good cardinal that we don't want to stop being actively involved in the church right, right now. And then the final one is scandal. So if <laughs> which our bread and butter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if there's a 
any scandal that a cardinal has been involved in, then that is probably the only factor in the in my algorithm that alone can make or break you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's cardinals that if they didn't have scandal, they'd definitely be in the top ten, top three even. But their involvement in scandal throws them down to like one hundred. So it's quite the penalty if there's scandal involved. I imagine that your numbers had to change quite dramatically last month when when the information, the accusations against Ulay. Correct. It, yeah, because he was number two mm-hmm. on the list. And then those accusations came out and he is now 100 and, oh, oh I'm trying to see where he is. That's a perfect example of how important the scandal category is. That is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's like 105, I think. Wow. So, yeah. One, oh, he's 100 exactly. Wow. (laughs) Went from two to 100 like that. And he probably was was very high because we know for a fact in a lot of the discussions that have come out since about the 2013 conclave and the 2005 conclave that he was top three. So yeah. that's quite a fall yeah. from grace. It was quite a fall from grace. Yeah. And he was definitely one of those that, you know, ever since John Paul II passed away, he was the yeah. one that you always heard in that Vatican rumor mill, like, oh, he'll, he'll be the next Pope or he'll mm-hmm. be Pope someday. But that kind of killed his chances last month. I think so. Yeah. Even though of officially he was cleared at this point, it's it's still enough to... Allegedly, yeah. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, still. And, and that's something I try to revisit frequently is go back through the cardinals that I have mm-hmm. kind of tagged with the scandal. Go back and see if things have blown over, if you know they've they're still considered involved. But yeah, with him, it's still very fresh and yeah. his name still is out there in the media and might not look great if he were to be elected Pope. So he stays on the scandal list for now. <laughs> Fair. And, and that actually brings me to another question. That was the last yeah. Um, factor, yes? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how, where do you source your information for to to assess these data points? Because obviously the way media portrays some of this information is skewed one way or another, depending on your source. So what do you go to to update your your information? I try to use as many sources as possible. So I, but where I get a lot of my information is straight off the Vatican website mm-hmm. is where I get at least the resignation stuff. Uh, every day, the Vatican press office releases appointments and resignations for, you know, if the Pope, (laughs) any bishop in the world gets appointed, it shows up on that bulletin uh, on a press release. So I check those every day and look to see if any cardinals are listed as having their resignation accepted. Mm -hmm. And then Vatican News is always, you know, good source. I use Crux Mm -hmm. here they were a part of Boston Globe and have now kind of gone independent. Um, they do really good stories as well and have some really good information. And excellent reporters who are very active on social media. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Really good reporters. 
Um, and then I'd follow like all the Catholic magazines and journals and newspapers and reporters on Twitter. And so, you know, I'll scroll through and see, you know, the same story, uh, mm-hmm. like five different people. And I try to judge all, you know, um, so I try to spread out and, you know, I, I definitely don't use just one specific source. And speaking of sources, Greg, who is another papal history podcaster, his show is Popular History, and he's also a member of our conclave. He wanted to know if you follow any places that take bets on the next conclave. And if so, have you found that you sort of line up with the odds that they're setting? I, you know, I actually don't. I need to look into that. I I actually never looked at the, you know, active betting and odds places. <laughs> I, I do know that just in, you know, every once in a while, there will be stories that come out talking about, you know, who's going to be the next Pope or, you know, as the rumors boil up that like, oh, Francis re- retirement or Francis is going to resign. Every week. <laughs> every week. As those bubble up, there's always a story that's like, oh, if he's going to resign, here's who your next Pope will probably be. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all, it's always really cool and interesting when, they start throwing out names and like, wait, they're at the top of my list. So, you know, that kind of just, you know, gives me a little bit of justification. But no, I've, I've not checked the odds. I should look at that. You might be able to, to make some money papal gambling here. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so are there any inherent biases that you have to contend with when you're running the numbers? And how do you ensure that you're sort of balancing out those factors? That's a great question. I think one of the biggest biases is what is a scandal? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you can talk to some Catholics that will be like, or some sources that will say, ah, Cardinal so-and-so said this about the Pope. That's awful. And they would say that's very scandalous for them to say but then another group, another source might say, well, as a cardinal, they're in the right to do that. Or, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to draw that line and define what is a scandal is probably where you really have to watch bias and, you know, really be conscientious of what sources you're getting this scandal from. Mm-hmm. And is it substantiated by sources that are coming at it from a totally different viewpoint. Right. right? So uh, that's one of the, you know, places that can get kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not a cardinal, it comes to mind the uh, the Bishop of San Francisco who denied Nancy Pelosi communion. Correct. And that was, for some people, they were like, yes, absolutely, this is what he should do. And other people were like, this right. is absolutely a scandal. So right. that's a great point. Yeah difficult to politically weight that depend and and where where you stand on that as, as whether the ch- the church's view or the pope's view of that situation in that case francis did send very a very strong message directly after in his appointment of the cardinals in which that that cardinal was particularly passed over but again that's that requires a level of interpretation that could definitely skew things if say that was a cardinal yeah yeah for sure so that's, uh, yeah, probably where bias can get you know, kind of complicated. Definitely. It's a very good point. 
So let's talk a little bit about our current College of Cardinals, because obviously this is the conversation du jour. Like we said, every week somebody is saying that Pope Francis is going to retire by the end of the month, by the end of the week, by the end of the year. And maybe, maybe that will happen. Maybe it won't. My fingers are crossed on won't because I'm not ready for him to be done yet. Right. On that note, who are the current most capable cardinal? Yeah, so number one, um, and this is number one on the list, is also a name you'll hear all the time in the media, is Cardinal Togley. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah, from the Philippines. So Mm -hmm. he was actually elevated by Benedict, but is, you know, considered to be really in line with uh, Francis, the views of the church at Pope Francis uh, Mm -hmm. holds. And so he's been kind of a superstar ever since he became Cardinal. And as I understand it, uh, Filipinos love him and adore him. He's he's 65 years old, so that's very young, relatively. And, Mm -hmm. you know, speaking of the College of Cardinals, young, high energy. So he's right now what I predict or what the Papability Index predicts uh, he is actually in the negatives. Oh. So he's got very low score, negative 0. 0.006. And the next closest to him at number two, uh, you're going to have to help me with uh, It's Canadian. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, Cardinal Lacroix. 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 Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he is, mm. I think, Montreal. Mm. Um, but he's what... My uh, what the Papability Index shows, he's number two at one point six two nine. Oh, that's really interesting because isn't that interesting? He he for so long he barely made the radar because everything from Canada was Ule. Right. Huh. Yeah. And um, and this is some you know since going on getting <clears throat> taking this onto Twitter, one of my biggest feedbacks is how did he make the list? <laughs> Yeah, I'm very surprised to hear that. So it's it's a, the surprise of the list, but you know he even when you look his seniority, he's 53rd in seniority, so nothing to he's not super high up the list. He's 65 years old from Canada. He's only been a cardinal for eight and a half years. Wow! But you know he's a Francis pick, which really helped him. Mm-hmm. Cardinal priest, so yeah, he's kind of the uh, surprise of the list here. I think, right? That's yeah, that that shocks me. <laughs> and, and even though he's a Canadian cardinal and should be higher on my list, yeah, that's that's really impressive. Now, you you had mentioned your social media response, and I had wanted to ask you about that as well. So before yep. we get into number three, how is social media responding to your index? You say that- positive. Oh, good. <laughs> Yeah, so in, it's created. I noticed lots of, you know, I'll get retweeted and then I'll see, you know, whole debates and threads going on. And yeah. <laughs> so, which is fun to watch. And and then the critiques I get are one of the more negative responses I've received is why is Cardinal Zuppi so low? <laughs> so, Cardinal Zuppi is. He's way down the list here, but he's the one, he's a big insider at the Vatican. Mm -hmm. And 
in the halls of the Vatican, again, Vatican rumor mill, his name is starting to come up a lot uh, right. as for, for, you know, potentially the next Pope. But he doesn't even make the top 50 of oh, wow. list. So that, I've gotten lots of, uh, lots of, you know, kickback on that aspect. Right. But other than that, everyone else, everything else, people seem to uh, somewhat agree with kind of the ranking and how the list has come out right. besides Suki and Lacroix. Yeah, that's a surprise. But I love, I love that there's a dark horse candidate in the second place. That's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. We have a dark horse candidate as our current second ranking pope of all time. And it is Pope Honorius I, who was excommunicated as a heretic posthumously. So right. yeah, we, we love yeah. a dark horse. I <laughs> love that. Yeah, part of me, just for my own pride, wants Cardinal Lacroix to be the next pope, just so I can be like, told you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, so rounding out the top five, who else is there? Yeah. So then Cardinal, uh, again, I'm awful with name pronunciation, Solor- Solorzano. Oh, okay. Um, he's from Nicaragua. Again, mm-hmm. he was elevated at the same time as Cardinal Lacroix about eight and a half years ago by Francis. And then next is Peter Erdo from mm-hmm. Hungary. Mm-hmm. And he, this is the one that uh, everyone kind of hits against Togley. Whereas, you know, Togley yeah. represents the more Francis path of the church, the more progressive liberal uh, church. Erdo is kind of seen as the conservative candidate, yes. the more conservative candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have him here at number four on the list. And then number five is one of my favorites, uh, Cardinal Turkson from Ghana. Okay, yes. And this is, uh, he's another one that, you know, he was a big name in 2005 and heard it again in 2013. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he's 73 years old, starting to kind of get up there in age, but there's, you know, another conclave comes around, maybe it'll be his time. Right. So I have to ask because we uh-huh. have we have a personal favorite of our own, and I'd love yep. to know how Cardinal Robin Hood Conrad Krajewski stacks up because he would be my absolute pick for the next pope. Yeah, of course he is a great guy, fascinating figure. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he is number one seventeen on the list. Oh. So his his capability index is ten point zero nine six, but so high. He's, it's very high, but I I think that you guys maybe have a really good long term forecast. Maybe not this mm. conclave, but I think in you know maybe a, a further down the road conclave, he would probably be a really good candidate. He's mm. a baby. He's fifty eight years old. So yeah. <laughs> he's one of the younger cardinals. He's only been a cardinal for four years, and he's yeah. a cardinal deacon. The really right. cool thing, though, is that once you've been a cardinal deacon for 10 years, you automatically get promoted to cardinal priest. Ah. So, so in six years, he'll get that promotion, which will really bump him up on the index, because you also get to jump into seniority to wherever right. uh, that would put you. And then he's going to 
age and he's still under that 67 years old. So as he ages now, his index is going, going to get lower and lower. It's going to right. continue to get lower and lower as uh, his cardinal, let, you know, his time as cardinal goes on and then he'll get that extra bump in when he becomes a cardinal priest. So I think mm-hmm. maybe, uh, you know, 10 years down the road, he'll be looking really good to be the next Pope. Oh, and see, I'm going to keep that optimistic <laughs> line of thinking then. Cause there you go. I just think it's so, we always joke in the conclave that being papal almoner is such a massive shoe in towards that role because it's nothing but good press all of the time. And he's really taken that and Correct. run with it in such a remarkable way. So well, he just made the news. Yes. Was it yesterday? Yes. It just in the news. Uh, yeah. Had shots fired at him. Yeah. He's, so. he's been over. He's in for those who are listening and perhaps haven't been following the story, Cardinal Krajewski is in Ukraine for the fourth time offering aid and and support. And he was fired at yesterday. And he's okay. He was not actually shot, but it certainly was a headline that grabbed my attention. I know. Yeah, me too. (laughs) So, I mean, hopefully, you know, always uh, wish for safe travels for him, but uh, that's quite the job he has before him. Mm -hmm. But think he's really filling out the role really well. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, we're playing the long game then. <laughs> yeah, long game, long game. <laughs> I'm fairly impressed with Cardinal Tagle, so I would, I would yeah. think that that would be a very remarkable step for the church in a number of different ways. So, yeah, oh, I agree. Yeah, that would be really cool. So, who is the least likely to be the pope as of right now? Is Cardinal George Allen Cherry. He's from India. He's had several scandals um, that he's been involved in. Yep. That there's been some like financial scandals and administrative stuff. Kind of been a mess in his diocese. He's also Mm -hmm. a part of the Ciro Malabar Church. And so he's not a member of the Latin Roman Rite. And then... He's a Benedict. Uh, he was elevated by Benedict, so there's a little bit of a penalty for that as well. Right. Um, he's 77 years old, so he's a little older. Francis accepted his resignation. wasn't too much of a surprise when he, you know, presented it. So <laughs> all of that has added up to 22.983 Ooh. on the index. So. Oh. Yeah, it was quite, yeah, he's got quite the score. One more I want to ask about, too, just just for comparative sake, because he is also considered quite a prominent conservative figure. Uh Where is Cardinal Sarah on the list? Yeah, Cardinal Sarah, I believe he's at uh, 56. Okay, so. Yeah, he's number 56. He, a couple years ago, he was fairly high on the list in the team somewhere. and then. He had 75 years old and, you know, that Francis really didn't let it, his signature dry on his resignation ladder before he accepted it. So, mm-hmm. uh, so that really, you know, put Sarah down quite a ways uh, down the list. So he's sitting at 56, very unlikely, I think, for him mm-hmm. to be the next Pope. That's fair. Now, one thing I've noticed is that you also tend to, to tweet about Popes from and candidates 
from past papal conclaves. So how have you applied this formula to previous conclaves and do the results work? They do. Yeah. So I've given papal indexes to all to the past popes, again, back to Pius the Ninth. And I need to just continue going on, you know, give all of them an index. Um, so that index is based on what it would have been the day they were elected pope. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just use the same principles. The only thing I change is, of course, the popes that elevated them, and I can change that in the algorithm. Right. All of the past popes, back to Pius the Ninth, all have very low scores, most of them in the negatives. So uh, that also makes me feel good that it's not mm-hmm. just like random grouping of number, like, you know, you uh, put it up against, you know, past popes and it's able to come out with really low scores for them. The only one, it's, I don't know why, it's beyond me, the only one it has trouble predicting is Francis. <laughs> which is, uh, so well. his. His papability index was 3.618 when he was elected. Um, And it's weird because uh, he was a big name, even in the 2005 conclave, Ergo Mm -hmm. came up a lot. And uh, running up to 2013 conclave, again, he was a big name. So I don't know why. I suspect it has something to do with being a Jesuit. Jesuit. (laughs) And then his age, he was over 75 years old. And even though he, uh, his resignation wasn't accepted by Benedict, still he was kind of on the older side of the college. Mm -hmm. So that's the only Pope that it really had trouble predicting would be the next Pope. Really interesting. Even Wotiwa, who would become John Paul II, it gives him John Paul II had a 0. .028. Oh. And, you know, if you read about that 78, the second 78 conclave, he was kind of an unknown. That was, mm-hmm. there were other big name players that everyone thought would be the next Pope. And he was kind of a dark horse that came out of nowhere. No one knew him. He was not Italian. But the Papability Index is able to predict him as being really likely to be the next Pope. That's amazing. Yeah. What about Benedict? How does Benedict score up? Benedict's score was negative 1.7. Oh. So he was well into the negatives. So was he one of the most foregone conclusions? Like who was, who was the biggest like negative number that you saw yeah. that guaranteed the papacy? The biggest one basically guaranteed they should have just given him the white hat as he, that he walked into the conclave was Leo the Thirteenth. I am not surprised at all. <laughs> Eighteen seventy-eight, uh, when he was elected, he had a negative five point one three. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, it was all but you know assured that he would be the next pope. That's incredible. That's so. Amazing that that you've been able to determine factors that remain so consistent that they yeah. are replicated in the past and hopefully in the future because I, know, be- I hope so yeah especially now that I've put this out to the public watch it be someone who's number like ninety on my list <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well maybe Ule will surprise us all yeah maybe, <laughs> maybe rise from the ashes but then at least you can show that he was number two correct yeah yeah. 
that kind of brings us to to the end of my questions. So the first thing I want to sort of wrap up here with is where can people find you? If they want to know more about the index, where can they find you? Yeah, of course. Come follow me on Twitter. That's the only social media platform that I'm currently on. I'm at Pope underscore predictor. <laughs> um, so find me there, Papability Index. I try to post I the first day of every month. I will post the top 10. Since it's constantly, the indexes are constantly moving and Every once in a while, some jockeying of positions, you see people fall or rise in position. So at the start of every month, I post top 10, and then randomly I'll post fun facts or take a look back at past conclaves or past popes. Yeah, come follow me there. That's where you can keep up with all this. And we'd love to have you back when it's conclave time, if you'd love to I come would, and talk to us. <laughs> we would... I, yeah, I would love that. That'll be like my, uh, that'll be my Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I know. I just, I'm hoping that, I mean, like I said, I hope that it's it's a fair bit away still. Right. Yeah. Uh, it is my hope that Francis dies as Pope. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like to, you know, I was, I was disappointed when Benedict resigned. I'd be disappointed if Francis resigned. You know, I, I, I like the Pope for life thing. So hopefully it's still a ways off. I feel like he's trolling everybody, going and visiting Apulia to go and see. I know. Yeah, that, that was a <laughs> great <deep>. move. <laughs> I feel like it's intentional now because he has, for the entirety of his papacy, discussed resignation very openly. And now that people are starting to jump on that, he's sort of pulling the wool over their eyes in a very funny way. I, I, yeah, I think you're probably right on that. Uh, you know, I think he's having fun with it. Absolutely. So final question, if uh-huh. you had to pick on without the papal index, who is your absolute go-to for who you want to see as Pope in your lifetime? Maybe not the next election oh, or maybe. No. Well, I think, I, I think that uh, the church in Africa is a really awesome place. I, I think Africa is a great place for the church. It's a really fervent people there. So I really would love to see Turkson. And, mm-hmm. and you know, pardon me, it's like, he's get at least given a little bit as, you know, <laughs> he, he was talked about no five and 13, give him a chance. So I would, you know, I would love to see that. I think, um, I think it's due time. And I think the church is ready and ought to have an African Pope. I think that'd be really cool. That would be um, cool. That's a, you know, the, the faith in church is so beautiful and strong there. So I think that'd be my pick. Well, that's a great answer. And, and I love, I cannot wait to see how this all plays out. I know, me too. Gabe, thank you so much for coming and talking to us today. I'm sure my audience is going to have lots of questions moving forward. So we of would course. love to have you back when the next conclave happens or in the future. So thank you so much for your no, time. Thank you. That's, it's been great. Um, be happy to come back anytime. Find me on Twitter. You can badger me with questions there as well. So <laughs> We will send them your way. Perfect. Thank you. And I will say to my listeners, thank you and goodbye. Thank <laughs> you.